0: You're listening to an audio resource from Vineyard Church of the Rockies in Fort Collins, Colorado. We are joining God's mission, transforming all things, and you're invited. To learn more about us and how you can connect, please visit VOTR.church. Well, good morning, everyone. It's always so good to worship with everyone. Thank you so much for being here, for lifting your voice in praise and worship together and for joining us for another Sunday as we explore and continue to study the best sermon ever. Of course, we're referencing the Sermon on the Mount, the words of Jesus himself. I want to give a quick welcome to everyone joining us on the live stream as well. We know there are many of you engaging with us this morning. We're so thankful that you can be a part of our worship service as well. Before I begin, I want to remind that we have a special event coming up on August 14th. We will be celebrating our 40th anniversary as a church. That's just a couple of weeks from now, and we are going to throw a party and we want to celebrate with all of you. 40 years is pretty awesome, and when you begin to think back to 40 years of kingdom impact in our city and beyond, 40 years of salvations and decisions for Christ, 40 years of baptisms and healings and ministry that we've all experienced, at least in some part, together. And so, of course, the very natural thing to do would be to throw a party. So that's what we're going to do. And we want to make sure that you're aware of everything that's going to be happening. Rick and Becky Olmsted, the founders of our church, will be here. Uh, Rick will be preaching. That will be excited, exciting to have him in the house again and immediately following the service, we're going to be grilling out, we're going to be playing games, we're going to have a lot of fun together, all in our green space, kind of between our buildings over here. Uh, we'll, we'll send an email to remind you of all the details. We'll probably do some kind of meal situation. We might ask you to bring a dessert or a side and go old school church potluck. We haven't been able to have one of those uh, in a long time. And so we're just going to enjoy God's presence and the faithfulness that he's had to this church in the, in the last 40 years and um, couldn't be more excited about having Rick and Becky here as well. For those of you who remember Rick and Becky, one of the things you might remember about who they are kind of as people and how they led our church was that they were incredibly generous. Some of the most generous people uh, that I've known, and they were generous as an organization to other nonprofits and to other churches in need. And so we've decided as Uh, to honor their legacy of generosity and to honor all that God has done through our church in the last 40 years. We've planned to give an extra $40,000 away above and beyond our normal giving this calendar year kind of to celebrate the way that this church was built on that legacy of generosity. And so here's my ask to you because I I would love for you to be involved in this. I'm gonna ask you to give over the course of the next month an extra 40 dollars An extra $40 above and beyond your normal giving, that $40 will have you be part of our 40-year celebration, symbolically uh, captured with us giving $40,000 away. We'll pull all of that money together. We'll give it away to our nonprofit partners. If you're wondering who those are, they're all on the TVs out in the lobby. We call it our Cause Wall. Those are all the local nonprofits and international Nonprofits that we support. And we're going to add another one. We're going to add the 4 to 14 movement, which is the global organization that Rick and Becky now lead as they aim to share the gospel with the age most commonly receptive to Jesus Christ, the ages between 4 and 14. And you can give the extra $40 or $40 per person in your family, or $400, or any kind of increment that has, starts with a four and ends with a zero. I'll let you decide what that's going to be, uh, but you can, you can designate that gift by just writing something in the memo, maybe on the envelope, or if you give online, we actually have a drop-down bar uh, for the anniversary gift, and like I said, we'll pull all that together, and when we celebrate 40 years, we'll give all of that away in honor of part of how this church was established. We're so excited to celebrate with you. And so please mark your calendar, bring a friend, bring someone who's maybe been a part of this church for years and years. August 14th, we'll celebrate um, together. All right, well, quick transition then into the message for today. And I want to start my message today by just sharing a little bit about my family. I love my kids. We have three kids. Natalie and I have three kids, Kingston, Presley, and Gabriella, and like many parents, my one of my greatest joys is raising my children. Um, raising my children, beginning to see all of the similarities and differences between all of their personalities. I have a picture so that you can see kind of my family back at Easter. Um, that's Kingston, Presley, and little Gabriella. And I've shared stories about all of my kids. I always get permission beforehand, <clears throat> and I've got. Uh, one of them in here with us today. But today's story is not about Kingston. It's about little Gabriella, our youngest, because she has this gift. Most of the time, it's a gift. Sometimes it's a thorn in her father's side, but most of the time it is a gift. And she has this unique ability to just ask for whatever it is that she wants with no shame whatsoever. It's like everything she asks for, everything that she brings up in conversation, she has full faith that mom or dad is going to indeed give that to her. Even her older brother and sister have picked up on this, so they will commonly recruit her to ask for things from mom and dad because the girl has no shame. She will ask and keep on asking. And I'm telling you, it can sometimes wear a man down dad, can I have this? No. Dad, can I have this? No. Dad, can I have this? No. Mom, can I have this? What did dad say? Right? And even after 75 no's in a row, that just emboldens her. She might not keep asking the same question, but you know, 75, 76, whatever the over or under us, that's when she moves to negotiation. <laughs> well, it doesn't have to be a large ice cream, dad. How about a small ice cream? We don't need to go to the movies. We can just go buy snacks, and we can all just watch a movie here on the couch together. Or if not the pool, then the playground. Surely, we're going to do something. Dad, if you're not going to give me that, then what are you going to give me? This is a common occurrence in the Faust house, and all of my kids have watched this, and you know persistence is contagious. A little while ago, I overheard all of my children talking to their grandma. It always works with grandma, but they put a little spin on it this time. They said, Grandma, you look great today. Can you take us to Target to go shopping? They came back with like five bags of stuff an hour later, and now it's in their heads that this is going to work, so Grandma better be ready. But I'm telling you, little Gabby, she's got it going on. At times, it can wear on you, but I truly love that she just asks and keeps on asking. It's this childlike faith. That she has this persistence about her. And the unique thing is that every single one of us has the call to be a lot like her. We all have this call to childlike faith and persistence, and it's something that Jesus talked about 2,000 years ago in the Sermon on the Mount. <clears throat> Let's read our text for this morning, Matthew 7, verses 7 to 11 keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for keep on seeking and you will find keep on knocking and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives everyone who seeks finds and to everyone who knocks the door will be opened you parents if your children ask for a loaf of bread do you give them a stone instead or if they ask for a fish do you give them a snake of course not So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? Now, quick note, if you read the NIV or you read the ESV, which are both great translations, by the way, you might want to underline or highlight the words from verse 7, ask, seek, and knock, because your translation will simply read, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened. But I love the NLT because it kind of creates a dynamic interpretation of the original language. In the Greek, the words ask, seek, and knock are all present active imperatives. They're commands that elicit an ongoing process and an ongoing response from the hearers of Christ's word. In other words, they, they, they require us to ask and keep on asking, to seek and keep on seeking, to knock and keep on knocking. And Jesus says, then you will have your answer, you'll find what you're looking for, and the door will be open to you. And when you think about it in terms of this kind of ongoing, persistent, process-oriented imperative, it makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, you need to apply that to all areas of life. If you want to get in shape, you need to work out and keep working out. Amen. (laughs) Started a new diet. Or maybe it's starting. You have to work out and keep on working out, right? If you want to plan for retirement, you need to invest and keep on investing. If you want to love your spouse, you need to love your spouse and keep on loving your spouse. This is how it works. Christianity and a life of flourishing with Jesus was never meant to be a one and done where you try things once and then you just put everything on the shelf. It's an ongoing relationship where you ask and you keep on asking. You pray, and you keep on praying. And that's what Jesus is exactly talking about in this text. Stay persistent in the place of prayer. Be reliant on God all of your days, because then at the end of the text, it says, everyone who seeks will find. If you knock, the door will be open to you. And I, honestly, I was thinking about this. I don't really want to know. It would probably be, be a bit alarming and and maybe even a bit depressing if I somehow found out how many times I've prayed and I didn't get the answer because I just stopped short of asking one more time. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, what's that thing that you've been contending for that you just kind of gave up on and you never saw the answer that either you wanted or you dreamed of? How many times might it be because we just never stayed in the place of contending in prayer? And I will admit, when I read a passage like this, or when I'm preaching especially, this is when I want to offer all kinds of qualifiers to the church. If you've heard my story, you know that I've prayed and prayed and prayed for some really important things, prayed for some things that, that are, are clearly according to God's will, but I didn't receive an answer for those things. And I'm sure your life is very similar to mine. I want to qualify and remind you that in James 4, it says that impure motives do impact your prayer life, or I want to offer qualifiers about how we live in this tension between Christ's first coming and his eventual return, and while we live in that tension, we experience miracles, but we also experience tragedy, and sometimes those qualifiers are important. And Jesus talked about those things in other parts of the Gospels. Other New Testament writers talked about those things as you continue to read the scriptures. But those are sermons for another day because they're scriptures for another day. In this passage, in Matthew 7 and in the Sermon on the Mount, there's only one qualifier I see, and it's the qualifier of persistence. It's the qualifier of persistence. Jesus is asking us one simple question, will you keep asking? Will you keep asking? Will you keep seeking? Will you keep knocking? How many of us have underdeveloped prayer lives because we we maybe haven't exercised our heart enough and learned to contend in prayer long enough? Isn't it possible that maybe some of us have truncated a, a spiritual maturity growing within us because we've stopped too soon? We ask, but the answer is delayed, and so we find an alternative answer. We seek, but in the waiting, we get distracted by the next best thing, or we knock, and the proverbial door doesn't doesn't open right away, and so we choose a shortcut that seems a little easier on the front end, but always detrimental in the long. Something unique happens when you contend in prayer, and it's often unseen at first, which is common with spiritual transformation. It works from the inside out. It begins to transform your mind and your heart and eventually your whole spiritual life. But something unique does happen when you contend in the place of prayer. Not all prayers are answered in five minutes. Not all prayers are answered in five months or even five years. Some of us have been praying for the same thing for 50 years and we're still waiting. God, will you answer now? It takes an incredible amount of faith to pray and to keep on praying for that long. The promise, the promise according to this text is one of the biggest that you'll read in the Gospels, that if you ask, seek, and knock, that God will answer. It says everyone, the door will be open. I mean, don't we all want to see a greater amount of God's activity in our lives? Of course we do. And so I I just want to kindly reflect what it says to you again in the scriptures. To ask and keep asking. To seek and keep seeking. To knock and keep knocking. For to everyone who knocks, to everyone who asks, to everyone who seeks, they will find. Stay persistent. In the place of prayer. You know, one of the reasons we gather is so that we can be reminded of God's promises collectively. Right, we need to be reminded of God's truth and God's plans. We need to gather to worship together. Something happens when you hear voices singing over yours, and we all gather for worship. Something happens unique in that place. But we also need to gather because sometimes our faith begins to just kind of waver, or we begin to drift from having a vibrant uh, life of prayer with Christ. And we need messages like this to just kind of rattle us just a little bit and remind us of God's promises and remind us of God's plans and purposes, so we can find ourselves rested in the place of prayer again and again and again. Ask, seek, and knock, and never give up in your prayer life. And I'm sure we can all respond to that at a personal level. There's probably prayer thoughts and prayer lists that you have just running through your mind right now, and and stay processing those. But I also want to invite you to join us as a church as we continue to take up that charge. In the sermon notes found at VOTRweekly.org, you can sign up for our monthly prayer email. We send an email out every month with specific prayer requests from our church and from our people. This also means that if you have specific prayer requests, you can email us and let us know, and they will end up on that email. But I would love to double the size of people praying on that list, and you can do that by following the link in the notes and emailing Terry. She's the one that sends out that email every month. When you sign up, I'll also just give you a heads up that if an emergency happens within the body of Christ at Vineyard Church, you'll get a text. We send the monthly emails, but for emergencies and and dire situations, when we're given permission, we'll send a text to everyone on that list so that you can know of the emergency or maybe someone getting rushed to the hospital or something really big that's happening in someone's life, and we can mobilize the body of Christ together to pray specifically in the moment for those needs. So I want to encourage you to join us and join that group because as we seek God together, we believe that he will answer Those prayers. Well, as you continue on in the text and as you continue to study the words of Jesus in this moment, you also begin to discover a little bit of an implied message from Jesus. And this implied message, I think, is also important to process. The text alludes to the reality that your prayers reflect your spiritual hunger. Your prayers reflect your spiritual hunger. Listen to verse. 8 again, for everyone who asks, receives, everyone who seeks, finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. And if we just take these words at face value, it says that everyone, everyone who asks, seeks, and knocks, that, that means everyone, there's no hidden language in that. It means everyone who does this will experience God. If you pray like this, you'll experience him. And, and yet the reverse, the implied reality is also true, that if you're not that interested in receiving anything from God, you're probably not asking very much from God. That if you're not desperate for God's activity in your life, right, if, if you're only kind of hungry for, for God, maybe one or two knocks is enough, and then you'll move on to the next door down the street because your spiritual hunger isn't sustaining you to knock and keep on knocking. So your prayers ultimately reflect your spiritual hunger. And I have a lot of grace for people who don't do this very well or people who don't feel like praying. There's a lot of grace for that. I don't always feel like praying. And shocker, sometimes when I pray, I get bored. I have fallen asleep on more than one occasion during an intended prayer time. Now, you can wake up after a prayer nap and you can shame yourself for not staying awake with the Lord, or you can enjoy a little rest with the Holy One. (laughs) Say, I have faith that that helped transform me little (laughs) by little. There are boring prayer moments. Can we just say that out loud? There are also moments where you need to pray that you might want to pray. Because maybe it's not there. You need to pray for a desire. You need to pray for a, a newfound hunger for God that sustains you when the answer doesn't come right away. You need to pray that your heart will be captivated by Jesus again so you can grow and mature and develop a spiritual strength as a follower of Jesus. See, some of us don't pray because we get bored. And the muscles of our heart haven't been developed enough. Others of us we, we don't pray because we don't know how to start. We don't know what to say. You're afraid you're going to sound weird or you're going to sound funny or or you'll somehow do it wrong and God will then answer your prayer and unleash all kinds of things into your life that you didn't know you were actually asking for. But I do have news for you this morning That, that praying poorly, even if that's a real thing, I'm not sure it is, praying poorly is better than not praying at all. In fact, I can pretty much guarantee that you will like the way you were praying poorly better than the way that you weren't praying before. And, and besides, like we, we, sometimes we approach prayer like we have to treat it like an algebra equation or a chemistry problem. We have to figure this out. Or it's like a skill that we have to master like auto mechanics or some kind of unique engineering that once we get all these things lined up together, then finally we'll know how to approach God and pray. But it couldn't be further from the truth. I have said this many times, and as many times as we run across prayer and the calls to pray in Scripture, I'll keep saying it. If you want to learn how to pray, steal the prayers from the Bible. (laughs) Steal them. Memorize them. Make those prayers part of your prayer life in your mind and in your heart. Listen, they're written according to God's will because they're in God's Word. They were inspired by Him. He loves to answer these prayers, and so pray them really, really holy people, way holier than anyone on our staff, wrote these prayers. I mean, I'm telling you, one of my spiritual gifts is plagiarizing biblical prayers. I am convinced that maybe, maybe more than any other spiritual discipline, it has transformed my life with Jesus, praying the, praying the prayers from the Bible. And when you... When you discover them. If you're just reading your scripture, you don't know where they're at. If you're reading your scripture, just circle it and begin to meditate on it. I mean, there's one in Acts 4 that I pray all the time. God, would you give me and and anoint me to preach your word with boldness? Acts 4, may we preach your word with boldness. Lord, would you extend your hand with signs and wonders all for the glory of Jesus Christ? Ephesians 1, would you fill me with the knowledge and revelation of God? I want to know you more, God. Would you give me revelation as I pray and open up scriptures? Ephesians 3, would you give me the power to understand your love, how deep and wide and high and how long it truly is? I can't know it on my own. I need your power to help me understand it. Colossians 1, that's one of my favorites. God, would you give me spiritual wisdom and insight Would I be able to discern what your will is? Or Philippians 1, would your love flow in me over and over again so that it flows from me to those around me? Copy these prayers. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. There are good prayers in the Bible. And if you pray these prayers over our church, God will answer them. If you pray these prayers over your family, God will answer them. And I also want to say, if you pray these prayers over yourself, God will answer them. Some of us think it's selfish to pray for ourselves. But the Bible actually says it's foolish if you don't. It's not selfish if you pray over yourself. It's foolish if you don't. God loves to answer a heart that cries out to him. So let your hunger grow for him. Let your desire for these spiritual things grow and pray and keep on praying because oftentimes it's your prayer life that reflects your spiritual hunger. And now if, if I can just take a moment, if I can take a quick aside and offer some feedback to the church. Some people call this constructive criticism. I, I have learned to call it constructive feedback I can be a little intense sometimes. I'll say it with a smile so you know I really love you. I'd like to offer the church as a whole some feedback. Now, of course, when you offer a body feedback, it doesn't apply to everyone. It's a generalization. and So this may apply to you. It may not. But if if you'll allow me to just speak honestly and directly for a moment, I have some staff members who were teasing me earlier. Because apparently when I stand on this side of the podium and I move from outside of the the little podium, this is when I get really honest and loving at the same time. I'll let you decide if that's true over the course of time. But I have noticed that when we have ministry time together in our service, that we're not always crying out for God's power as often as we need it. Can I share that? That, it, that, it's, a, that it's a very rare occurrence that our prayer team during ministry time is overwhelmed with prayer requests. Now, I say that with tenderness because I don't want to shame anyone into getting prayer. I genuinely want God's breakthrough for your life. But I also share it because I have many conversations with you, and I, and I know what's going on in your life, and I know what's going on in all of our lives, and I know that we all have a desperate cry in our heart for breakthrough and a power encounter with Jesus Christ, yet, yet not so many of us are praying for that and asking for that and, and standing before the Lord and saying, I need you to come. And there are different seasons in our lives. Of course, there are many who gather every Sunday who are in a time of celebration. It's your voices that carry us through praise and worship. It's your voices that we need to hear when we're not celebrating, but we're mourning or we're grieving. But at any given moment, say half of us are celebrating, I also know that many of us need Jesus in a real and significant way to break through in our life. Now, what would it look like if our needs... God's power matched our requests, what could happen? What could happen? Who could we become as individuals if every time we needed God to break through in our life, we cried out for his power? Now, I know we all have varying prayer needs, and I know that we don't always want to go back for prayer. There's a lot of different reasons why you might not go back for prayer. Right? Some of you might ask your spouse who's sitting right next to you, pray for you, or, or your best friend who you came to church with, you'd rather have them pray for you. That's great. That's fine. Others feel awkward about going back sometimes, and you wonder what on earth is going to go back? What is, what's going to go on back there? If I go back for a prayer, like, are they going to do something strange? Am I going to have to jump up and down 10 times or recant some kind of weird mantra? No. They're very normal, very natural people just asking for a supernatural encounter. I can promise you that's all that's happening. And when I mention, like, this is just a real moment, right? When I offer feedback to a church, I also have to ask myself some serious questions. Like, ha- have I taught to the place of God's healing power in a way that it lifts the faith of our church? Have I pointed us to the place of prayer in a way that, that makes us dependent and reliant on God for all the areas of our spiritual lives? Have we invited the Holy Spirit to move in a a way that elicits power and, and still creates vulnerability where people can ask for things? These are questions that I have to ask myself. But I also want to offer you the question of reflection this morning. Are you asking, seeking, and knocking in a way that is reflective of your needs? Some of us have marriages that are barely hanging on. Some of us have serious health conditions or we have financial loss, we're desperate for a job or there's a relationship that's been fractured for years and we need reconciliation. Some of us have been riddled with depression or anxiety for countless days or we have bad habits that we've tried kicking in our own strength, but we need something beyond us to get to the next step. What would it look like if we contended in prayer until we saw transformation? Can you imagine with me what might happen in your heart and in your mind and in your life or in your family or in our city if we prayed and we kept on praying until we saw God move? There are a lot of reasons we don't pray. Mentioned a handful already this morning, but our scripture points to at least one last idea. And it's sometimes a hard one to admit, but I think it's important to look at. Some of us don't pray. Because we're not sure if we can trust God, and we're not sure if we can trust him with an answer. Verse 11 seems to point that out, seems to say that that as you learn to trust God, your prayer will increase, that as you learn to trust God, your prayer will increase. Just like spiritual hunger leads to more prayer, it also increases when we begin to trust God more. We begin to trust him with more things and go to him with more requests. Look at verse 11 once more. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? We parents are broken. We make mistakes. We we miss the mark. And if you think you've never have, then I don't know, just wait till tomorrow. <laughs> It'll probably happen. But even in our brokenness. Even in our mistakes, we still know how to give good gifts to our children. And how much greater is our Father in heaven? God's timing doesn't always line up with our timing. We tend to want things, and we tend to want them now. It doesn't always work out that way. But the promise is that if we seek, and if we ask, and if we knock, and we keep at it in this ongoing process, if we stay at it, and we stay seeking the Lord and all of these things, the promise is that He will answer He will reveal, he will open the door. The question is, do we trust him when the answer doesn't come right away? Do we trust God when the answers are delayed or maybe they look different than what we had hoped for? And you know, some of us, I have to imagine that some of us, like all we ever heard growing up was the word no. No, no, no. No for the hundredth time. No for the last time. I've said no and that's it. It's final. The answer is no and we're moving on. Don't ask again. And I don't think that giving in to our kids is always appropriate. That would be odd. That would be likely destructive. But I can't help but wonder how many of us are reluctant adults when it comes to asking God because when we were children, we were just told no over and over and over again and now when we begin to ask, we feel like needy or greedy or maybe spoiled children before God. And if that's you, I just want to tell you, thankfully, it's different in the kingdom of God. It's different in the kingdom. God's kingdom is different from the kingdoms of this world, and God's kingdom is different from the kingdom that you grew up in. Jesus taught us that having faith like a child helps us enter the kingdom. He taught us that we can approach God with a a childlike faith, totally dependent on him, totally reliant on him. I shared my family's story earlier about sweet little Gabby. Right? I don't want Gabby to stop asking. I don't want to shut that down. I need my ability to deal with her persistence to increase, not her ability to ask to decrease. Right? And, and if I start zapping that out of her, it would be a travesty. It doesn't reflect God's nature because he wants us to ask and keep on asking. Now, as she grows and as she matures, we'll, we'll have more conversations about why and, and what things look like on earth. It's not always as it is in heaven, but that is what we're seeking. And so as best as I can, I want to be a reflection of our Father to her, to not mute this God-given gift that she has, but inspire it even more to ask and keep asking, seek and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking. And we're not gonna parent perfectly and we're not gonna pray perfectly. But God's never demanded sinlessness for you to approach him in the place of prayer. He's never demanded perfection before you approach him in the place of prayer. He's only asked for a humble heart, one that is poor in spirit, reliant on him and a faith In Jesus, that will unlock the transformation we're all so desperate, desperately in need of. Richard Foster famously wrote in the celebration of discipline to pray is to change. (laughs) To pray is to change. Prayer changes the world, it changes the world around you, and it changes you. And so, as we prepare for our time of reflection this morning, I have to ask, where might you need to hit the reset button when it comes to prayer? Are you tired and worn down from answers that seem delayed? Is there some, something you, you desperately need but you've given up on because you haven't seen the answer maybe as quickly as you had hoped? Or perhaps you're the person who rarely, if ever, prays for yourself because somehow it feels wrong. Whatever it is, if you go before him and you stay persistent, I am confident he will answer because he's a loving father who wants to give you good gifts. So let's individually and collectively ask and keep on asking for all that he has for us. Pray with me.